Why should you visit TheChairShot.com? TheChairShot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis with attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. I'm trying to think. Any idea when that song became the official theme for Raw? I want to say it was when they moved to TNN back in 2000. He has no time for this. Ain't nobody got time for that. Hi, Tony. What up? Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Raw React. Technically, tonight, I guess it is. Welcome to The Reaction here on the Chairshot Radio Network. I'm your host. My name is Harry Broadhurst. Joining me, as per usual, the Down Since Day One co-host, Tony Acero. What up, motherfuckers? We've now officially been doing this shit for six years, Tony. Well, happy anniversary. Go us. You can take me out to dinner tomorrow. It's fine. All right, so let's start in the obvious place. Let's start with WrestleMania, shall we? Yeah. All right, so traditionally for pay-per-views, we kind of just do our final reactions for the pay-per-views. But I think this particular pay-per-view is going to need a little bit more than just a final reaction to cover it all. Let's talk about the big talking points for WrestleMania, shall we? The first of which is, is your Undertaker versus the phenomenal AJ Styles in a Boneyard match. They had no they had no announcements of what this was going to be in advance, and what it ended up being was well, it's the reason Jeremy Borash is collecting a WWE paycheck. All right, Tony. You're involved in the world of fantasy with your writing. You do a lot of poetry. You do a lot of fantasy writing. You do a lot of imagining things here, especially with the short stories and stuff as well. Like we talked on the show last week about the one that you were doing about the the barbershop. From a creative standpoint, where did you fall on this Boneyard match? Did you like it? Did you dislike it? Do you think they went too far? Do you think they didn't go far enough? I loved it. Um, I thought it was making the best of the situation and using the um, the climate to try something new. It was a risk. It was a huge risk, and it paid off awesomely. Um, I mean, from the fake punches, you know, the sounds to the music to the setting to the fog, it was just this was everything that it could have been. I, I, don't, I can't find a complaint about it. The people that do complain, it just um, it. The complaints that they make are kind of weird, like, oh, it took me out of it, or it was too fake, or too hokey. And I've just never heard those complaints about wrestling, because wrestling, um, 
well, it's fake. So... <laughs> Uh, I heard like a third of that, Tony. You were cut really bad. I think you had like a issue with. Are you on your Are you on your phone? Like, are you out and about right now? No, no, I, I had a headset. It's probably probably just a bad signal. Um, I don't typically do the podcast in this area. Well, basically, what I was saying, if you can hear me now, is um, I loved it. <laughs> um, and then the complaints that I've, I've heard about it are kind of unfounded because it's wrestling. So everything that everyone was saying, like, oh, it's fake or it's too hokey, just came off as a complaining just to complain. Do you think it was comparable to a WWE version of the Broken Universe from Impact Wrestling? No, I won't do that. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna cross that road. I think it's un, uh, unnecessary. I know a lot of people say that Matt paved the way for stuff like this, and he helped to create moments like this, but. Do you think this is comparable to a WWE version of, say, Lucha Underground? I guess that's a little bit better or more fair of a comparison, but still, um, you know, I'm not big on I, I like things standing on their own. I'm not going to rate it by comparing it to other things, but what it is at its most basic level is outside of the ring quality product. That's, that's what it is. We've seen things go the opposite way. We've seen, we've seen matches not have... Um, anything to do with anything in the ring. We've seen other other versions of this in a supermarket with Stone Cold and Booker T. So I um I don't know, I just thought it was I thought it was great. Let's talk about the second of the cinematic matches. The last man standing match oh. between Edge and Randy Orton. So this one seems to upset a lot of people into its um I guess, crazy out there method, but man, I love this one too. The thing is, I can see where people would be upset with this one, whereas I couldn't understand, excuse me, why people would be upset with the Undertaker match. This one is very, this would be for a crowd. So if you didn't like it or it didn't tickle your fancy, then that's understandable, and I wouldn't be upset about that, because it most likely wasn't made for you. This was made for us, and I mean, on one hand, you can get mad because it means that they're fully aware of all the mistakes they've made over the past several years, and they just don't care. But on the other hand, the best type of person is the one that's really, really self-aware, and we just saw that tonight. I thought it was great. Um, going back to the Boneyard match, I, t- I, re- I too really enjoyed that. I thought that that was a fine piece of cinematography involved there. I thought that it was excellently angled. I thought it was excellently... Um, excellently shot. Minor, minor, minor complaint would be the fact that Taker took out like eleven people by himself. But again, this is Taker; it's nothing we haven't seen before. Yeah, and those people. So, 
So Taker said that he was bringing his friends with him in his go-home promo on Raw, and I was kind of hoping that it would have been somebody like maybe Kane and I don't know, somebody else, maybe Kane and Big Show to help fight off, get rid of um, Anderson and Gallows just to kind of tie the story the story full circle for Taker with the you want to bring your boys, I'll bring my boys as well. But other than that, I didn't really have any complaints about the match. I love the spot with AJ sitting on the tractor and then like the gong hitting and Taker appearing behind him because that's just that's classic Undertaker. That's classic Undertaker niche, as it were. It's what you want from your Undertaker. It, I think this match worked out a whole lot better in this setting than it would have been had it been a straight-up singles match in, front, in the performance center in front of no people. Yeah, and you know one thing uh, that you mentioned with regard before you get to the Firefly Funhouse, um, I was secretly waiting for Kane to show up. I really was. But I also realized that considering what's going on in the world, he would probably piss a lot of people off if he were to show up, um, considering his role <laughs> as a governor. Um, his focus most likely is not as it is with the WWE right now, so I forgave it. One thing I saw online that I thought would be interesting, and I was wondering um, what you would think about it, maybe not every single opponent that The Undertaker has had at any given time, but they mentioned that if the Druids were to reveal themselves to be Taker's opponents from the past, it would have been a really nice touch. Um, I don't think that not happening doesn't take away from it, but I that is actually pretty cool. <laughs> the issue with that is a lot of his prior WrestleMania opponents are really big names. And having Taker going, AJ, Gallows, Anderson, let's see who else could have possibly been a Druid here. Mark Henry, Randy Orton, Bundy. I'm trying to think of who all still alive. Jake the Snake Roberts isn't alive because he's in AEW. He's persona non grata in the WWE currently, so he's out. Snooka, well, didn't Snooka die? <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> Uh, I mean, he's persona non grata, too, because of, you know, the dead hooker thing. I fucking hate dead hookers. Yeah, I mean, chances of it actually happening are unlikely, but it was just a, it was, it was an, it would have been a really cool, that's, that's moving more into the cinematic, you know, callbacks and whatnot, but either way, no, I was fully satisfied with the match. Okay, continue. Last man standing, I had a couple of issues with. The ending was beautiful. I loved the ending. Edge realizing what he has to do and not wanting to do it. And the best part about the ending was Edge standing there right over Orton as the 10 count happened, almost looking down on him to make sure to see if Orton's all right. He, you could see by the look in his face he didn't want to pull the trigger, but he knew he had to in order to win that match. It was a beautiful piece of storytelling right there. What wasn't a beautiful piece of storytelling was choking somebody in a gym. Awkward. Yeah, I saw that a lot too. And I'll say what I said earlier. I'm not here to compare moments like that. I mean, if you, it's a wrestling match, and if you're going to compare it to Benoit and assume that the crowd is aware of that enough to be upset about it, then I mean, I think you're just grasping at straws. Um, <clears throat> it didn't bother me at all, even when I saw the comparison. Like, whatever. I don't. I don't particularly care. That's possibly insensitive, but I also don't care about that. Um, I think the biggest issue with the, the last man standing, aside from it being as long as it was, was the worst possible referee. Um, I can't 
can't really pinpoint exactly why I didn't enjoy him as a ref, but man, it was really annoying. <laughs> I was going to say here, do you think it would have been a better match if they had chopped, say, 10 minutes off of it? Oh, yeah, undoubtedly. I mean, like, it was cool to see them go around, but it got to a point where, I mean, it just looked like a bunch of junk everywhere. And as a, you know, state-of-the-art performance center, I kind of expected something different. Um, another thing I saw online, which was another creative idea, was the possibility of them entering a warehouse with a bunch of former WWF uh, memorabilia and fighting around there. Obviously, you don't want to break that stuff or anything, but that kind of would have been cool too. Um, not saying that because that didn't happen, it took away from the match. It didn't at all, but it's just it was interesting to see how creative people were getting online compared to the show that we saw. Um, this could have done a lot better with 10 minutes off. I don't think anyone would have been upset. Like, I don't think anyone would have been. The drama would not have been minimized. The um, intensity would not have been minimized. It would have been just as fine. But on the other side, it's it's really nice to see Edge back. I think the stipulation also hurt the match here. And the reason I say that is because with last man standing, you have to wait for those 10 counts a lot of times and not having a crowd to get emotionally invested in those 10 counts significantly hurts the process of the last man standing match. I think with them being confined to the performance center without an audience here, that's the stipulation that I feel should have most been changed for mania. Yeah. Or just, I mean, fewer, fewer falls where it was, where he had to count to 10 or just a, a different rule where it was, because he was, he was very spotty. At one point it was like Edge wasn't fully standing and he was still counting, but then other points Edge wasn't fully standing, but it didn't matter. And near the end, he screamed that Randy had a family as if that mattered more at that point than it did throughout the entire match. Um, also, I hated his hair. Uh <laughs> But no, that just the referee. I don't know. I, I feel like it possibly could have mattered. It possibly could have been a slightly better job if someone else were, were to have done it. Are you ready for an acid trip in the form of professional wrestling? Man, that was great. <laughs> Let's talk Firefly Funhouse, Tony. Yeah, man. I don't know. I loved it. I, it, like I said, it wasn't for everybody. So I can't get mad at someone who didn't enjoy it but I thought it was great. What was your favorite part of it? Uh, it's hard to say because it, it, it's one big piece. It's a, you, can, you can write an essay about it. You could dig deep if you wanted to. And I'm not saying that they went deep. I'm saying that us as fans can, in fact, go deep. Um, but it's, just, it's literally every single person in the comment board for the last, like, 16 years. <laughs> it's, it's awesome. Um, the callbacks to NWO, the re, the comparison to Hogan, like that is, like I wonder what Hogan thought watching it. Um, it's just it's every complaint we know, that we've ever had, and at the very end of it, we still got our he got his comeuppance. It wasn't like every complaint we ever had and Cena still won. It was the other way around, and that that was incredibly important. You know what my favorite part of this whole thing was. And I actually mentioned this inside of the chair shot group. Something that Bray Wyatt said on SmackDown two weeks ago. Do you remember the specific quote? Oh, it's going to be a massacre. It's going to be a massacre. You just don't know it yet. 
Bray basically told Cena two weeks in advance that he was going to completely mind fuck him at Mania, and then proceeded to completely mind fuck him at Mania. Yeah, Bray's great. <clears throat> Apparently, Cena had a lot to do with the putting together of this match as well. I mean, I'm sure his input you know, was like, yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> that's that's not fair to Cena. Come on, Tony. You're better than that. Or is he? Dun, dun, dun. All right, let's talk best of the rest, shall we? Let's go. All right, so you know how it used to be Cena wins, LOL? I don't think I ever well, you can re- after that. But yeah. Well, you can officially take out the ENA after the C for that and replace it with an H-A-R-L-O-T-T-E. NXT Women's Title Match. She's Charlotte defeat Rhea Ripley to win the title at 20 minutes and 30 seconds. Loved the match. Hated the finish. It's really hard to fully oh, there to, to really to fully judge um, the decisions here, <clears throat> particularly with both this one and Shayna, because although I agree, I'm not a fan of the, the uh, result of either one of them. I I wonder if they're doing this because otherwise the basically the balloon would have been completely deflated on their push. It's not nearly as impactful uh, for Rhea to win the belt at Mania when nobody's there, in my opinion. And I think that it would have gotten lost in the shuffle. Um, When you compare that to someone like Drew, I feel like this was the exact time that it had to happen because we've been building up to it. Rhea still has some time. She's got a lot of time to flourish, and she can still have that moment, just not right now. Um, But when you look at Drew, I think it was, this was the exact right time with the exact right opponent. So although I'm not a fan of Charlotte winning yet another title, what it means is we can possibly get some fresh stuff happening at NXT. And hopefully this means Rhea's in on the main roster so that when it does happen again, it's a much bigger deal. Now we have, a yeah, I don't think Rhea... now we have an underdog, you know, coming back for her title. Yeah, I don't think Rhea really needs the NXT Championship or NXT at this point after the way that she had been portrayed over the course of the Survivor Series pay-per-view and then most – sorry, I have the hiccups – most of the build-up to WrestleMania. She feels bigger than NXT, if that makes sense. Yeah, and do not take away from the fact that that match was fucking amazing. So I don't think it – hurt her nearly as much as everyone thinks. It's, it's just that it's that bad taste in your mouth with Charlotte winning yet again over someone who probably could have used it a lot more. Um, it, it kind of, when you look at Flair's 16 title reigns and you look at how long of a amount of time that was all done in versus Charlotte's whatever number she's at and the fact that it's been, what, oh, three years? Um, yeah, it's just, it, it's it's one of those accolades that doesn't mean anything at all, and it's annoying. Well, it comes off as annoying. Six years, but I see your point. Flair yeah. with 16 titles over the course of 30 years. Man, wrestling sure has changed. <laughs> I think I think attention span has a lot to do with that, too, where people were more invested in seeing a long-term story told back when 
Rick was around, I don't think you have the same attention span to a large degree as you did for the fan base with professional wrestling nowadays. Television also plays a huge role in that, too. I think wrestling has trained wrestling fans not to, to, to have a short attention span. I think that wrestling fans are ready and willing to watch something that takes forever to talk, to tell, as long as it's good and compelling. People like long-term television shows that have long, drawn-out storylines. Um, I get it. I get the binge factor, but I think it's the other way around. I don't think we adapt. I don't think we changed wrestling. I think wrestling changed the expectations of the fans. You mentioned it earlier. We may as well talk about it next. Becky Lynch retains the Raw Women's title against Shayna Baszler in about 12 minutes with the Bret Hart, Roddy Piper finish. Shayna locks in the Carafuda clutch. Becky rope walks and flips out into a cradle for a three count. Yeah, I, I don't agree with her, her status quo of losing. Is that true? I, I honestly don't know. Like it's how Kyrie beat her for the NXT Women's title. Okay, so it's happened at least once before. Okay. I don't I don't dislike the result here, but I don't like it either if that makes sense. Yeah, I feel the same way. Like I'm okay with Becky retaining, but I would have been okay with Shayna winning. I think Shayna could have probably used the win in order to establish her with the main fan base. Because I don't think running through a bunch of scrubs in that elimination chamber match was going to do that for her. She beat a, she beat four scrubs in Oscar. Let's be honest. Well, I mean, when you start a match with the bitch biting a chunk of her neck out, you kind of create a blood feud. Where whereas it should kind of have ended, you know. Um, abruptly, but this is going on. So, so I think maybe you, you could have you could have saved the bite for for uh, for maybe next month or something. But then again, this was you know before Corona that this may all have been different. So can't can't be too upset about it. Another one that you mentioned earlier that we should probably talk about is the fact that Drew McIntyre is now the WWE Heavyweight Champion, having beaten Brock Lesnar in about. Four minutes to win the WWE title. Speaking of four minutes, that's double the length of the SmackDown Universal title match where Braun Strowman pinned Goldberg in two minutes and 11 seconds. Get the fuck out of here. So which one did you want to talk about? (laughs) Uh, Both, but we'll start with the high point with McIntyre's win. You mentioned earlier you said that this had to be the time for McIntyre, and I completely agree. I just feel really bad for Drew that he didn't get to have that moment in front of 70,000 fans like he deserved. Go ahead. Hold on one second. Tony's having issues. Do we need to take a musical interlude? Because we can. No, I don't. Just give me a second. Okay. Well, while he's looking, I'll go ahead and give you my thoughts on Braun and Goldberg here. Um, so we all know that Braun was put into the match because Roman refused to work Mania because of the coronavirus concerns, and Miz showed up showing symptoms from said coronavirus concerns. So Braun didn't feel, or Roman didn't feel, excuse me, like he would be wise to perform in a state where he could be potentially immunocompromised. I get it. 
that's fine. I have no disrespect towards Roman, so if he needs to make that decision for Roman, that's perfectly okay with me. What we instead got was Goldberg defending the Universal title in a match against Braun Strowman, who's been treated like a fucking afterthought for basically the course of the last two years, except when he's needed once or twice a year or so in order to make somebody else look important. He just got pinned by Sami Zayn at the last pay-per-view. Let's call a spade a spade here. Sami Zayn has been a manager for the better part of the last six months. But since Roman's out, Braun is in. And not only is Braun in, Braun kicks out of four spears and then hits a trio of power slams, the last of which running, in order to win the title. After all of the insensitive shit that Braun had to say in the last couple of weeks prior to Mania. Get the fuck out of here. So you're not I have zero. <laughs> I have absolutely zero interest in the current Universal Champion. So okay, I had so, no interest when it was Goldberg either. Yeah, there's there's a lot to be said here. I mean, you know, when I a couple of years ago, I think I had this very lengthy rant about. Um, how the stars of yesteryear have lost their luster due to the the frequent returns. How it used to be a treat to see someone like Ric Flair show up, and then it just kind of became nothing. And you slowly start to see these, you know, larger than life legends as real old people. Um, <laughs> um, I feel the same way about Goldberg's presence over the last couple of years where although I was never a WCW fan, I kind of knew what his role was. It was very, very simple. Um, and what they did was they tried, to, they tried to use that to their advantage. I don't know. I don't know what kind of proof I have in terms of their growth when he's, you know, on the card. But I didn't find much joy in anything that he's done since coming to the WWE, both the first time um, and the most recent time. So having having him at you know on the card really didn't do much much for me period having him against reigns did even less and then finding out that it was braun did even less i i really would have loved to got up, gotten up and taken a piss during this match but it was too short so i figured i'd just sit it out you know what i did during the course of this match tony i typed on my computer and finished my pizza nice Anybody who knows me knows that I have never been a Bill Goldberg fan. I've never cared for him. I am not a fan of him as a person. I am not a fan of him as a wrestler. I am even less of a fan of Braun Strowman, and that says something. After the comments that Braun Strowman made about independent professional wrestlers a couple of weeks ago when it was tossed out, and I'm sure you know the story, Tony. For those of you that don't know the story, Evil Uno of AEW put out the potential of organizing fans, organizing, because some fans have been talking about it, organizing a GoFundMe for independent wrestlers, since the vast majority of them have had, for those that are full-time pro wrestlers, they don't work other jobs, they're just wrestlers, have had their, their income taken away for the better part of the last two months now. And Evil Uno suggested open up, opening up a GoFundMe, and it was actually done so, and some big names in the sport donated to it. John Moxley donated, Kevin Owens donated, Chris Jericho donated. Sure. Braun Strowman was asked about it, and Braun Strowman asked, A-S-K-E-D, not A-X-E-D, come on, work on that, was asked about it, 
And Strowman said that if they cannot afford to have a full-time job in the world of professional wrestling, then they shouldn't be professional wrestlers. Motherfucker. If you weren't gifted a contract to the WWE after you failed as a bodybuilder, you wouldn't be making a living in professional wrestling either. Sit down and shut the fuck up. That is your universal champion, sir. That is me putting the television on mute anytime his name is uttered on this show from now on. I'm just excited. I'm just really excited about the next vehicle he's going to flip over. Do you see that his action figure actually comes with a breakaway ambulance? <laughs> um, no, yeah, I, I saw All right. what Brock said. I'm, I'm not mixing it. I mean, I could. I could, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't make me, you know, want to watch him any more or less. I, I have, I'm not interested. Um so, yeah, moving on. So those are the two heavyweight title matches. Let's talk the Intercontinental title, since the U.S. title means fuck all, apparently. Sami Zayn retains the Intercontinental title, pinning Daniel Bryan. We both called this one in advance. I don't think it was the right time to pull the trigger here, because I think that Bryan's had more than enough moments at WrestleMania over the course of the years, whereas Sami's never really gotten a definitive WrestleMania moment, and him retaining the Intercontinental title here, becoming only the third heel to do so, I might add, is a moment that Sami Zayn can use to brag about for the, well, frankly, the rest of his going forward on SmackDown. He already is on Twitter. It's great. Sami is such a lovable douche. Yeah, I really loved his Seth Rogen impression during WrestleMania. You ready to hit up the final reaction for this, Tony? Favorite match or moment? Uh, I got to say the Boneyard match. That was way better than it had any right to be. I really enjoyed the Boneyard. I really enjoyed the Firefly Funhouse, but I have to give credit where credit is due. John Morrison, Jimmy Uso, and Kofi Kingston damn near killed themselves for our entertainment, and it was greatly appreciated. That that triple threat ladder match for the SmackDown Tag Titles was fantastic. It was a beautiful dance. Greg Watry moment of the WrestleMania. Um, let's see. I'm going to go with uh, the both women's title matches. Again, this isn't like I'm not up in the arms about it, which is weird considering it's a Watry uh, award. But uh, and there's other things that I could be bothered about. No, you know what? I changed my mind. Braun Strowman winning that whole match, the whole thing. Kronkowski walking oh out with God, a horrible. <laughs> yeah, that's right where I was going. Gronkowski walking out 24/7 champion. Way to stick a fork in that title. Oh no, it's not done. <laughs> it, it, is it, it, it is to me. It is to me. That should have been done the minute it started. I had zero interest in that. Overall show rating. This should be interesting. For you know, it's hard to judge this show, man. It's it's very difficult. There's some matches Agreed. that were able to they were able to survive the lack of a crowd. There were some matches that were – it was just such a necessary component that it, it damaged the quality of the, the product immensely. So if I were to grade it as a whole, 
um, I'd probably say seven out of ten, and that's uh, very, very generous, mainly because of what they did, what they had to do. But in terms of quality, it was it was very, very low. See, I'm actually even higher than you are. I'm at a seven and a half. Oh, one would argue you're always cer- higher than me. <laughs> but not as high as Matt Riddle. Given uh, the circumstances, I think this was best case scenario for WrestleMania this year, though. Like, for I wouldn't say best what case we, scenario, but yeah. Oh, given, okay, in what ways could you have improved this WrestleMania other than getting rid of Gronkowski? Well, there you go, Harry. You're asking me to do their job again. Um, <laughs> yeah, but there's a lot of weight. Almost it's like it's very, very difficult because you're 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 in a situation where depending on what you do, someone is always going to judge you. I mean, here we are having a hour and a half long podcast judging on what they did during a time in the world where you know literally anything that they they do is is something made just to entertain us. When you think about how much money they can make on a WrestleMania week versus what they possibly made right now being an in-house product, um, it's kind of hard to judge them because they didn't do this for anybody. But for us, outside of maybe some obligations that they had, um, they didn't help an economy. They didn't you know, push forth an effort for a city. This was all literally for the fans. So it's, it's hard to, to judge them on their incorrect, uh, you know, or not incorrect, but the ways that they did it. Let's get to tonight's episode. Oh, wait, one more thing. MVP, sorry. My apologies. Your apologies for what? What happened? MVP. MVP of the show? Yes. Um, Hmm. Let's just give it to the WWE as a whole. Like I said, they didn't have to do this, and they did. And um, it did. they did what they could. I was going to go with the editing team, so we're pretty much in agreement there. Buy or sell, WrestleMania should be a two-night event going forward. No. People will, people will pick and choose which night, and they'll lose money. Um, and and the, the people that watch it two nights in a row will get fatigued. I mean, I do think they could trim the fat on the one night, but two nights, no. Not unless they make it a gimmick, which they kind of did today. See, I think that this is the sign that a two-night WrestleMania could work even outside of the uh, Performance Center. I think that this is a sign that maybe you don't do, like, the huge-ass football stadiums that you've been doing. Maybe you go back to more, like, the more standard arenas. But if you can sell two nights worth of tickets back-to-back nights there, and then you could do like uh, an NXT takeover on, say, a Thursday night or a Friday afternoon before before SmackDown, or even push NXT takeover to its own week going forward. Like there was talk about the fact that they weren't going to let takeover piggyback off of the, the main roster pay-per-views anymore. Yeah, I, believe that I don't know. I think that for the money, they won't, they won't make nearly as much on a two-day event and taking it away from the stadiums. I mean, you're probably right about that, but at the same time, I think for me as a fan, it made for a much easier viewing. It, it, I felt it was much easier to watch the eight and a half hours of WrestleMania over the course of two days than it would be to watch a seven, eight-hour WrestleMania in one day when you count the pre-show. Plural in this case. 
right, let's get <clears> on, <throat> let's get over to the Raw after WrestleMania now, Tony. Um, Nia Jax returned. There's that. I will hang up on you right now. <laughs> Somewhere, Rick Bailon is yelling at his at his computer as he's listening to this. And he's also pissed that the uh, he's also pissed that the Street Profits retained at WrestleMania because that meant Robert Foster won Fantasy Wrestling too. I I saw that. That one match decided both leagues. Interesting. I think that's some shit. All right. Seriously though, let's talk. Um, how stoked was your little brother tonight? I don't think he knows yet. Oh well, obviously you're gonna have to get in, get in touch with him and tell us his reaction. Yeah, I'll let him know. Are you planning on watching the Big Show show? I'll check it out. It looks like cheesy fun, you know, like a sitcom. I don't anticipate it changing the world. It's funny that you mentioned the word world, world there because you know what kind of vibes I got off of the previews. I got kind of a Boy Meets World vibe off of the previews. Yeah, that's that's basically around the the same field. That TGIF type of shit. Mm-hmm, absolutely. All right, McIntyre Big Show tonight. Uh, you only gave it a couple of you only gave it like two stars in the rating, but overall, what did you think of what the main event, Big Show and Drew? Yes. Um, it was better than Brock versus Drew. It was, you know, it, it, it's it's very divisive in my head because at one point I'm like, this is completely unnecessary. There's no reason for this to happen. Why am I watching this right now? And why would you make Drew look kind of dumbish in having taken this match? But on the other hand, you kind of want to show, hey, he's not a fluke champion. Hey, he can beat another big guy. This wasn't just a Claymore kick times three and then a pin. So I guess at the end of the day, the the good outweighs the bad. Yeah, I really enjoyed the fact that we actually got a heavyweight championship defense on Raw because in the reign of King Brock, the whatever, him showing up in wrestling on Raw was non-existent because him showing up and being on Raw at all was was a rare situation to begin with. I like the fact that we got to see that heavyweight championship defended on Raw because it's one of those big post night after WrestleMania things that we've seen in the past and that the champion usually defends the next night as well to give the audience that either couldn't afford the WrestleManias back then or had prior com- had other commitments and were unable to watch WrestleMania the opportunity to either see the champion or to see the new champion in action as was the case tonight. Yeah. Bianca Belair is officially called up to Monday Night Raw to be with the Street Profits. She actually works with the gimmick, so I'm not opposed to it. I will say anything more we can get of Zelina in her ring gear tonight, I'm all for. Um, this was one of those things that was hurt by the current, the current climate, because I think it would have been a huge pop, not just at Mania, but at Raw afterwards. What I don't like is it was basically a carbon copy, almost almost move for move during the match. I mean, I don't know if you noticed that, but like literally almost a repeat of Mania all the way down to the kicking him in the face and Belair coming down, and it just came off as hokey. Um, <clears throat> however, having her debut on Raw is a welcome addition. I'm really excited for her, and I can't wait till they get in front of a crowd to really, you know, give her that proper just do. Do you think Bianca Belair is going to do well for herself on the main roster? 
I think if they give her the freedom to be her, then yes, because there's nothing like her on the roster right now. Um, you can, I made a joke in the comment section. Like it's well, what I don't want is I don't want Byron Saxon on commentary when she's in the ring, because I have never heard Byron act so black and it was completely transparent and super annoying. <laughs> He was pretty much the same way on SmackDown with Kofi's run as well. Yeah, yeah, I, exactly. And it just comes off like, I don't know, I don't know if they're telling him to or maybe that's the real Byron sh- shining through, you know, but it just doesn't, it's it's annoying. I, uh, I, it, came, it came off condescending to me. Mm. Like he's he's playing a black character rather than just being himself. Yeah, exactly. And it's only when you know, speaking of which, that's like that was like the first hour and a half of Raw. I thought it was February. Jesus. News <laughs> oh, and opinion to Tony Acero. Oscar Liv Morgan, you mentioned being kind of impressed by Liv tonight here. Between her picking up the win at WrestleMania on the pre-show against Natty and her match with Oscar tonight, do you think there's potentially some salvation for the Liv, Nor- Liv Morgan character now that she's away from Lana? I don't know, man. I think tonight is an anomaly. I think that the reason why people got so much time was because of the situation that's going on. I do think that they like Liv, and she's young, so there is potential. Um, But no, the only reason why this match went so long is because it was on a Raw where they needed to kill time. Uh, What was the other big happening from here, from tonight's episode of Raw that I wanted to discuss? There was one other thing that I definitely wanted to... Oh, Aleister Black and Apollo Crews. Again, no... Okay, I think I think I wrote in the report. It may have been just a comment. This is one of those situations where had this been on Raw and had there been a crowd and had there been a lengthy match such as this, then someone would have gotten over and the other person would have been able to survive it. That someone should not have been Apollo Crews. And if this was in front of a live crowd, I think it would have gotten a lot of love. Um, but because it wasn't, I, because nobody cares, you know, it was just like, when is this going to end? <laughs> See, I don't think this match was that great, all, all things considered. I think they went too long. For where Apollo oh, Crews is on the card, for where Apollo Crews is on the card and where Aleister Black is supposed to be on Monday Night Raw, I thought this match went way too long. See, that's the, that's the problem, though. You only think it went too long because of who was in it, and that's exactly what I mean. So we're on the same exact page. Imagine if this was some up-and-coming NXT guy, right, that we haven't seen before on the main roster, and commentary is selling the shit out of this person, saying, like, this, that, whatever, hot commodity, all this other stuff, don't take them lightly, and then they go the distance like they did tonight. Boom, ready-made person, Alistair still gets, still gets to kick someone's head off, and we now have this new superstar that is a force to be reckoned with because he's facing a guy who has been just fucking trucking through people. But because it's Apollo Crews, we're just like, what do you, what do you, you're trying to feed us bullshit right now, and I don't like it. That, that's what our brain's saying, and that's exactly what happened. That's fair enough. Anything else from Raw that stood out to you that you wanted to discuss? Um, we had we had Kevin Owens with a promo. Charlotte cut a promo as well. Seth Rollins squashed um, fuck who did Seth Rollins uh, Denzel Desjardins from NXT um, my, my I mean 
the only thing I would be able to talk about would be negative. So it sounds like excessive complaining, but this is just more of the same for the raw, you know, during Corona where they're pulling out these people from NXT that, I mean, they're not even selling them right. They're not even saying this is like uh, a new dude coming up. They're literally saying this is such and such from NXT. And then that's it. They're not trying to hype them up. They're not trying to make them a mainstay. And it's because they're not, they're not going to exist once this all goes back to normal. So it's just a, literally a placeholder. You're, you're wasting my time is what you're doing. Which does remind me of something that I forgot to talk about when we discussed WrestleMania. What did you think of the Owens bump in the match with Seth Rollins? The, the dive? The elbow drop off of the WrestleMania sign, yeah. Yeah, man, that's, that's what Mania is made of. That's, that's one of those clips that are going to show forever. That was great. I'm very happy for him. <laughs> Did you hear that he was actually planning on jumping off of the pirate ship at WrestleMania proper had it happened in Tampa Bay? Man, that would have been great. <laughs> I, I feel like the I feel like the Buccaneers organization would have put the kibosh in that, however. I'm just saying a cannonball out of a pirate ship just makes sense. <laughs> or a cannonball into the pirate ship, knock Seth backwards into it, and then hit the cannonball up against the pirate ship. Yeah, whatever works, man. I think it was great. It was the moment that he needed and wanted. Final reaction for tonight's episode of Raw. Favorite match or moment? Tony. Sorry, I got... um, I'd say, I'd say my favorite moment was Belair debuting. Um, none of the matches really stuck out to me, and it was very obvious what they were trying to do in the beginning of the show. So it came off as like eye roll inducing. For as much as, for as much as I knocked it, for as much as I felt like there's no way that he's actually on that level with Alistair, I do think that the Alistair Black Apollo Cruz match was pretty good for what it was. It should have been shorter but I understand why it was extended the way that it was extended. And I do agree that it would have benefited a full-time call-up to the main roster to get that spot to Apollo. Maybe this is perhaps a start of the repackaging of Apollo Crews into being something resembling a threat going forward. Yeah, Apollo push part, you know, seven. Sure. Apollo seven, you say? <laughs> Anywho. Uh, <laughs> Greg Watry for tonight's Raw. Nia Jax returning. But she's not like most girls. Do you know who she's related to? <laughs> Did you know Britt Baker's a dentist? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I popped myself with that one. <laughs> that is kind of what it, it is kind of what it reminds you of though, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Like she has that one thing that might make people randomly give a fuck about her, so they jam it down your throat every opportunity that they get. I feel bad for Deanna Perrazzo, because Perrazzo is somebody that I think could actually be a really good hand for the women's division, and she got nothing tonight against Nia. Nia Deanna. And so much for that talk about her coming back with a new look. She looked like the same Nia Jax to me. Right. 
Well, I, it, this is another situation where um, I didn't really need her back right now. I mean, if I were to take away the, you know, my dislike for her in the ring um, as a character and as Nia Jax, the, you know, the person who's like larger than life, this needed a crowd. This needed some heavy booze and some hatred spewing from everybody. And um, yeah, it would have done a lot more. Now it's just an annoyance. Overall show rating? Um, five out of ten. Again, a little bit higher, six. But just because, by and large, I enjoyed the show. I thought that they were able to produce enough con- content to keep me entertained here. And I don't know how much more we're getting, which is something we'll talk about here in a few seconds. Who's your MVP tonight? Um... I'd say I'm going to give it to Belair again. We got to the wrestle tonight, so that's cool. She cut a nice little promo introducing herself to the world. Zelina's ring gear aside, I'm going to go with Drew McIntyre. It was nice to see McIntyre finally get that moment and then to have him be able to have a championship defense under his belt as well. It's something that McIntyre can use to sing his praises for years to come. Yeah. Not only did he climb not only did he climb to the top of the mountain, but he was able to remain champion once he did so because a lot of a lot of champions will tell you it's a lot harder to keep the title than it is to win it in the first place. This is the most open-ended question that I'm going to ask all night. It is also the last question I'm going to ask you tonight, Tony. Where do we go from here? <clears throat> Well, you have two choices. You keep doing what you're doing and lose an audience, possibly forever. Um, or you create this clamor for, you know, more and more product as soon as it comes and you have this surge in wrestling fandom. Um, I think the first one's more likely. But Or you find new ways to be creative um, and, and also create something called considering or looking like an off-season you notice, you know, you're, they're not using a lot of their big names. They have NXT people, and that's probably because they live there, whereas the majority of the um, the main roster is probably at home, you know, not going anywhere. Um, I don't know where we go. Again, that's not, it's not my job. Um, I do know that they maybe should take a – not a break off of TV, but maybe film a couple of episodes, you know, for the rest of the month and then really, really sit down. When you look at it from a perspective of, like, like for instance, I run a bar, I run a restaurant, and – I'm taking this time to really like do things that I wouldn't be able to do had we been open on a daily basis, kind of clean, you know, deep clean paint, um, see if I can give it a bit of a new look, get my inventory back up to where it should be. You know, all those things that were kind of hurting, I'm trying to fix that up before we open fully again. And I think the WWE could do the same thing. Where are they struggling? Where were they struggling before this happened? Now that they have time to create, what can they create? What wrestler do you want to see go from here to SummerSlam be a nothing to a something? Um, pick two people that you think that can just turn the world around. Find yourself your, your next star. Like, you have time now. Sit down with your team and create something magical and then do it. They're, they're so used to being rushed on a daily basis to literally changing scripts 20 minutes before the show. Now you have time. Create something, you know, do something great. That's what I would attempt to do. Will you be watching 
I, I lied. I'm asking another question. Will you be watching SmackDown Live to get their side of the fallout from WrestleMania this Friday? Yeah, I will. I will. <clears throat> I feel like we. I should. Not like I don't have time on Fridays anymore. <clears throat> All right. To answer the question that I asked Tony as far as where do we go from here, honestly, I don't think we should go anywhere. I appreciate the attempt at entertainment in this crisis, and I do. I really do. But I think the lives and the safety of everybody involved is far more important right now. You have a massive fucking archive of stuff on the WWE network that you could use to air to fill time for the for the TV spots that you currently have right now. And I get that that's not what the USA Network is paying you for, and I get that that's not what Fox is paying you for, and I get that that is maybe not necessarily what the fans want to see, but in the interest of safety for everybody involved, I think that it might be the right decision to make going forward. I understand wanting to get through WrestleMania because WrestleMania is the granddaddy of them all for professional wrestling. During WrestleMania, they advertised Money in the Bank for May 10th. There is absolutely zero reason that pay-per-view should happen under the current climate. None. Fans explore the archives to maybe air classic episodes of Monday Night Raw or like classic clip shows of episodes from Monday Night Raw. If you're not going to air full episodes, I can understand not wanting to air a full attitude air in Monday Night Raw in the current climate. I get that. But take this opportunity to delve into the archive that you have to bring out the some of the lesser-known items from the archive, to bring out some of the more famous items that maybe we haven't seen in a while. Stay safe, protect your talent, and then be ready to come back balls to the wall once we get the all-clear to do so. Well, final words? No, I think I had my piece. <laughs> For Tony Acero, I'm Harry Broadhurst. This has been the reaction here on the Chairshot Radio Network. Are we going to keep doing this show if this continues, or are we taking time <clears throat> off, or how's that going to work? We'll have to let uh, we'll have to figure that out and let you guys know. <laughs> yeah, we'll decide throughout the week. We'll figure that out. We'll get back to you guys. Stay tuned to the uh, Chairshot Facebook page, and we'll keep you guys updated over there. How's that sound? For Tony, I'm yeah. Harry. Thanks for listening. We'll, we might talk to you guys next week. Good night, everybody. Deuces, bitches. like half waiting for Ernest to Cat Miller to show up. Thanks for listening, everybody. We hope you guys enjoyed WrestleMania. We hope you guys enjoyed listening to us talk about WrestleMania. As to where we go from here, well, six years of doing this day, we'll probably be around still in some way or form. We'll find out as soon as we can, and we'll let you know. Check out the Chairshot Radio group on uh, well, the Chairshot group over on Facebook.com. We'll have more information for you over there. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you down the road, be it next week or whenever. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head.